Welcome back, Rage Nation. Got myself Pete here. That's yeah. not really exciting. You got Senior Dixon. I don't think that's appropriate. And you got Monsieur Leopard. Explorers deserved it. No. Absolutely. I was disgusted. I cannot believe they've done this. Why is wacky? Why is that good? It's just nonsense. I disagree on that. That's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission. Yeah. Now, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself deep here, and we got Monsignor Dixon, and we got with us from the Michiganderland, Zach. How you doing there, fellas? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Hanging in, hanging in. Got Dixon's flight book. Got the hotel book for the Houston GT. Getting pumped about it. Yeah. He gets to be a real person, huh? I get to be a real boy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what we got Zach on to talk about today is we are going to be talking about Rezzers. And it's kind of been funny because there's a few players that apparently play 10 Thunders and they're like, so you're going to you're gonna do 10 Thunders next, right? And I was just like, mm, I don't know about that. We'll see. I, I, I don't have much love for the 10 Thunders, but we'll get to them. I'm trying to get um, Lance into this because like, he, he likes to play 10 Thunders. But he doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna probably bring on uh, bring on some people that I know. But uh, yeah, Zach, you and you've been a little busy there. I don't even think you guys have been putting out like Breachburn stuff. Yeah, honestly, um, schedules have been kind of all over the place. Summer recently. stuff. Summer stuff. This this year in general, uh, <laughs> like we were mentioning beforehand, it seems like every weekend's packed with some nonsense or another. Um, we're looking to get some stuff here soon. I think we have a few of them in the in the pot that just needs some editing. So we'll be, we'll be out there here soon. Nice. Yeah. And definitely check that out. You guys always talk about some interesting things. Um, I think the last one I saw you guys do is uh, on negative play experience. Oh yeah. That was a great time. Um, accident. It was, it was kind of funny with that one, just accidentally turning a, a joke of, uh, my hate for tape measures into a bit of a commercial, but, uh, Oh yeah, dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> And if you play Guild Ball, that's where a lot of that comes from. Because you see somebody bust out, like, the Taylor tape measure, and they're bending it around yes. corners. It's like, yes. dude, I'm not looking to get fitted. Let's go. <laughs> I've actually given widgets to somebody because of that. I mean, that's 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 legitimately kind of – that's exactly where it comes from. Me and a couple others, we all converted from Guild Ball to Malifaux. So it's just a massive pet peeve for us. And we've basically bullied some of our friends into using widgets because of it. Because just legitimately, like you said, pulling out the flappy tape measures and whipping them around corners and everything. Or or I've seen them, like, zip back and take half of somebody's crew off the table and destroy them. And yeah, I've, I'm, just, I've, I'm not for it. I've made people go back. I was like, no, no, no. Put your model back. I measured out. I'm like, this is short. It's like... I understand you're just doing the Chris UN, you know, hovering your tape measure over, but it's like, <laughs> you need to put something actually on the table. And it makes me look like a jerk, but I don't care. It's like, this is, you know, Malifaux is a little more precise than a lot of these other games. 
But yeah, yeah, you're right though. Like Malfo has too much movement shenanigans not to be more accurate with it. Uh, I'd argue you probably doesn't need to be as accurate as Guild Ball nah. was, just because that game had like zero terrain and movement was the game. So like, I, like I, I've taken my like my movement steppers and things of that nature and set them aside. Yeah. But like at at this point, I I still have my measurement set from Guild Ball. Um. Now that I've replaced yeah. it with my Malifaux one, I bring it with me, and I if anybody uses tape measures, I basically just say, "Hey, use this instead." Yeah, I think I think Malifaux or not Malifaux, I think Guild Ball and uh, War Machine had some of the best widgets in the game, just for like keeping clean play. Because you know, even War Machine, it's like if you were half an inch off, it's like, oh, my assassination run didn't work. Yep. Also, in War Machine uh, M3, when uh, whenever Mark III came out, it kind of killed all that. So yeah. it kind of it got it became worse. <laughs> I don't know. How yeah, I think they had a rule like you could only have one widget on the table at a time. Yes, that's they, silly. You were literally limited to what you could well, use to measure. It, it was a little bit Zach because there were sometimes dudes would be sitting there like for ten minutes like putting all these widgets out and it's like you're you're just sitting there waiting and like all right I guess I'm just hanging out yeah. until you figure it out. Oh man, well, that's why Guild Ball had clocks. But, so yeah, did War yeah, Machine, but War Machine still. Did. Oh really? Well, in oh. Guild Ball, you still could respond on your opponent's clock. War Machine, you're really you're just sitting there and waiting. You're just Correct. marking sure. damage. The the one thing that I gotta mention last thing about War Machine, uh, in Mark Three, there was a game. This is a rumor. I don't know the details exactly. Where two opponents, I mean two players, actually played their entire turn with markers first. And there were so many markers they forgot which ones they were <laughs> original models. So literally, they literally had to get dequeued from the tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's like some uh, some yeah. war machine lore there, <laughs> some myth. Yeah. Oh, dude, there's so many stories like that from back in the day, though. But I know, like one of my last big uh, Malifo, not Malifo, but Guild Ball games. Literally, like the result of that game and that tournament came down to. Um, a movement that wasn't measured out. It was more of like, a, oh, I'm going to feel it out and just sort of like move it a little bit. And his pride was like a half inch off to the left. And so it wasn't close enough to stop my brisket from being able to get in and score that last goal. Yeah. It was literally like a half inch sort of like thing. And like in that game, like that is a constant on determining games. Yeah. So, I mean, don't, you don't have to be super accurate like that, but I definitely encourage Malifo players to just kind of keep it clean. It's going to, it actually makes you play faster too when you're using those kind of widgets because it's just, you know, hey, I have my three, five, six, whatever. I have my, you know, 10 inch stick. It's like, you just know the measurements and it makes you a kind of a cleaner, quicker player. So, absolutely. Yep. I definitely check that out if you're not a Malifo player that has it. It does cost some money. I mean, a good set of widgets will cost you anywhere from like 50 to 60 bucks. A super good set, maybe 100. But like those will those will last you across oh, yeah. games, and I mean I got I got my my breech burnt set that's all custom made for like sixty bucks. So like, it's super nice and it's gonna last me forever at this <laughs> point as long as I don't break it. Yeah right. So we are gonna get into talking about resers first, and when we do these episodes talking about uh, you know how they do, are doing in GG three, we want to look at two masters that are good in each strat, and we look at one that is not one we would usually see or recommend. Um, so it's going to be a little different depending on the person's opinion. But I think we all agreed when it comes to resers that one keyword that 
I think you could pick into all these and we're not going to pick in this episode because of how good the keyword is, is specifically looking at the stargazer, looking at uh, the Von Stuck. So Von Stuck could probably be brought in all these pools. Really I good. mean, I've played him in every single pool, but I also tend to like one trick a lot of my, a lot of my tournaments. Um, he's 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 a safety blanket at this point, um, and people have heard me you know rant about. Yeah, him I mean, so. real real quick, what makes him so good, Zach? As far as in GG three specifically, uh, he's durable. He's faster than you'd expect. He's got ranged just movement shenanigans. He'll, he'll melt most other things, if not just turn off a lot of their abilities. Um, I mean, when you want to stand in specific places and score, I'm going to out-durability you most of the time. Um, I can make mo- I can make models insignificant so they can't score anymore. Like, yeah, there, there's a lot of... Stargazer. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors there. And of, course you, um, and, of course, you know, the standard version can summon things and whatnot. Um, but... It's just overall his his crew is a is is full of a bunch of jack of all trade kind of like they're they're all just they they hit hard enough they're durable enough they they're fast enough where I can usually solve most problems presented to me with what's available in that crew. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of their models have armor. Of course, they're resers, so they're hard to wound. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of like non-linear play with them, yet they still have the durable models. And then probably the thing that puts everything on top is that most of the keyword has studied opponent. So if you match the suit of your opponent in a duel, you get to draw and that's once per activation. So you, it's like zip. You pretty much are drawing cards pretty much whenever. Sure. Though, though there is one point with them that I think kind of like sets them above in terms of just their competitive viability. Um, well, it's two points that kind of go together. Um, the access to mass focus um, within the crew is a big deal, especially since they have such spiky damage tracks. But that mixed with their armor hard to wound and the ability to hand out shielded, really just kind of like, it's it's those defensive layers when stacked on top of each other that really just makes them feel impenetrable. Um, so with that said, they, they, they provide a higher than average offense and defense and other tricks. Um, I don't think in any of those places they exceed every other crew in the game or anything, but they, they are solid above average in everything, and therefore they're just always a viable pick. My personal vendetta against them is that they're way too safe. <laughs> they're way too forgiving. Yes, yep. they they are very forgiving, and uh, I'm not going to deny that. How the hell do you get plus flips if you fail something? What the hell? <laughs> the first time that happened, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, yep. So you just pick the crappiest thing on your card, and you're like, oops, I failed. <laughs> yep. And the thing is, like, you look at him, he's like, oh, yeah, he's only, you know, 5'5 five, five on defensive willpower. It should be easy to kill. And somehow he's not. I've only had him die on me, like, once or twice. Somehow. Why? Why is he not... Why? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's a number of reasons. I mean, he, he's hard to take down in, in one go anyways, and then he can either just beat the crap out of you for, like, three, five, six or whatever, or he could just, like, summon Valley or whoever from ten inches away and just have them run up and beat you up. And I'm not, I don't mean summon as in literally summon. I mean, like, from ten inches away, he can point at you and say, hey, be right here, and it happens. Yeah, so. I mean, and he does have the headless helper, so 
yes. there's a trigger on that where it's like you got to kill this zombie before you can even worry about von Stuck. And admittedly, I've never actually had that trigger mean much. It's never really come up all that much because I tend to treat him more as like a backline beater gotcha. to where after everyone else comes in, then he comes in as that force multiplier and then people start calling bullshit because they're like, why is there another one that hits this hard? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and but, people can actually go back. We did probably, man, it's probably close to 10 months ago now. I think it was like, actually, I think it was last summer before the Houston GT because Brian was like, I don't want to tell everybody how to beat me, but here's kind of how I play them. There's actually a really good Von Stuck episode we did with Zach and Brian on it. So definitely if you are interested on some of the hotness of Von Stuck and the Stargazer and his keyword, definitely check that out because it was a really good episode. But uh, getting into it, I do want to kind of go through these uh, and we'll just kind of say what we think about all these keywords minus uh, Von Stuck to just a challenge ourselves a little bit here but um, one yeah, more thing because since i do play the faction i played it for, against you for quite a bit actually the i will say my things but i'm like an average player so yeah yeah and i'll say what i've played there that has seemed good but it doesn't mean that it's like the pick um obviously there are some higher end players like maniacal cackle and other people that just beat the bricks off people and they know what they're talking about, so always chat them up on the Discord. Yo, they're always willing to chat. Oh, yeah. That is the cool thing. There are a lot of high-level Malifaux players who are straight up, like, willing to give you the give you the sauce, giving you the spice. So let's kind of start off with just the beat stick one. So we look at cursed objects. Uh, you got to kill things with tokens on them. So we'll start with you, Zach, since you're the guest. What is a good keyword that you're like, yeah, this crew likes to kill stuff? So this guy Von Stuck, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, honestly, so a number of the crews are good at it. The thing is, like, they're all a lot of them are good at it in different ways. Yeah. Right. So, um, like, when you look at something like cursed objects, um, I feel like in terms of like, if you're looking to choose a keyword for it, it's less about the strategy and more about the deployment zone. Yeah. Um, so. If you have something like corner, you need more speed. But if you're looking at like, like flank or wedge, this is actually a place where I, I, I kind of like good old Jackdaw. Yeah. Um, if, especially in sold, um, the amount of absolute chaos this dude can can put out is kind of silly. Um, of course, it's always been one of those cases where if your opponent is playing something or a faction that could easily avoid you, Jackdaw is just like a terrible choice. Um, he's the most, like, specific scalpel hammer that's ever existed. Um, but I also don't play the entirety of the Rezzers faction, and when I say I want to kill something in, in stupid, silly ways, and I think my opponent's going to clump up, Jackdaw is the way to do it. Um, on top of that, though, another place where I'm going to kind of throw in a bit uh, a slight wild card, because I don't have the most experience with him yet, um, I really enjoy Castor. Um... I'm not going to sit here and say he's the best dude to have ever existed, especially within the Rezzers when we have things like, uh, like Stuck. But, like, he has a lot of speed. He has the ability of the ability to kidnap people. If they, if you, if they're playing something that can clump up, you can play, you can play the small boy version and pulse out a bunch of damage. Um, I think, I think they, they have some, some legs on them that I, I would like to see explored a bit more. Yeah, I do think Castor, especially like even even Awaken's good at it, but I think Fervent's got a lot of play into it as well. 
it's just a really solid keyword. It's just, it's got a lot of jank to it. It has some healing. And when it heals, it causes other things to happen. So I, I just think that that definitely could compete with it. I do think to play them effectively, you need some finesse, though. Yep. Um, your spacing and your and your timing on your conflicts needs to be on point because they are made of tissue paper. <laughs> um, much much like um, Nephilim in general, they kind of fall yeah. within that same saying where they're fast, they hit fairly hard, but if you hit them back, they will die. Um, so you really need to like know exactly how you want to orchestrate your engagement. Um, of course, you know, like with some of the games I have played with them, um, the, I mean, the way the way they kind of come together is one of the most satisfying play experiences I think I've had with Malifaux. Um, just like just the jank and how like, oh, I do this thing, which, you know, heals this guy. So then he moves, but he moved within this thing. So he's going to heal and these guys are going to gain shield. He's going to move some more. And then like, of course, you know, mixing in like um, Barbaros rolling in there, sucking in a bunch of the enemies, and then just sort of, like, using down to the last drop to just mega ping a group of enemies to death is just super-duper fun. Yep. Um, yeah, and it is it, funny, though, because I do feel like last time we were talking about how Arcanists are really good at sitting on points and kind of, you know, covert and guard the stash they're pretty good at. I feel like Rezzers in general, like, I'm looking at all the Masters, I'm like, yeah, a lot of these masters can do cursed objects pretty well. Like, I mean, there's some that do it better, but I think like you said, it does depend on kind of like what flavor you like and then what deployment and maybe what are the other schemes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely agree with the two you picked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, like corner deployment, Castor's got the speed for it. Like he can, he can move all sorts of stuff up that way and, and it'd be easy for him. Um, that's particularly why I enjoy that. Cause like, he's got the speed to hunt down those people that try and run away. Yep. Um, and I think within the reserve faction, we're pretty fortunate to have the, uh, the breadth of options that are all viable enough to where it's literally more a choice about your personal flavor preferences rather than the optimal choice. Yeah. So what's the keyword that if you had to choose, you wouldn't pick into cursed. Ooh, buddy. Okay. Um, into cursed. Gosh. Like, am I wrong for thinking maybe Molly, but she's still pretty decent at it? Um, the funny, the funny thing is, like, when I had my my massive stint with Molly and was like the number two Molly stan in existence, my list was very much a beat stick list. I brought all the all the big ten stone dudes. I brought the I brought the rider. I would kidnap people and I just beat them up with Archie and and the rogue necromancy and like i i feel like they're it's it was a viable thing at the time i don't think they have the gas now to keep up with it like they're just too fragile um however um the whole crack bats thing with molly too apparently is pretty solid but i think it's probably more of a meme yeah i don't know i don't know like i've, I've tried it a couple times and it was a lot of fun but i haven't tried it enough to really know yeah, if I mean, because I mean, like, she still has good models, and I'm like, yeah. you know, the old uh, Archie's still a thing. You can still mm -hmm. bring the good stuff, and she's still decent. It's like, I just, it, when I'm looking at all the rest of these, I'm just kind of like, I think she's the one that maybe does it the worst way I wouldn't like. 
Sure. I guess, I guess sitting there and going, yes, I have a master that can shoot you from min three irreducible three times. It's the worst one at killing. Um, but the, from the ones I play, that's probably the, probably my standpoint. Um, I don't personally play much McMorning, um, Seamus, or Reva. So I, I can't necessarily comment too, too strongly on them. But I've seen them do well in this sort of thing. Yeah. And, and so, like, Molly, Molly, as much as I love her, is probably the weakest keyword in the, in the entire faction right now. Wow. That's yeah, what, wow. What, do you, what do you think, Dixon, uh, off of what you like versus don't like in Dickers? Uh, I mean, again, I, I'm an average player when it comes to wrestlers, but I do play Jackdaw into this. Like, you, I think Jackdaw. I, I think Jack. I think that's Jackdaw's. Like, he doesn't want to go running schemes. Yeah. He doesn't want to go. You know, hopping here and there. Yep. He wants to kill stuff. Yeah, we yes. played that game, you and I. Like, yeah. it's, even even against a crew that's like strictly good against undead, he was still like in the fight. Yeah. Like, I love this model, but uh, secondary master. So, like everything that he said about Jackdaw, I agree with. Uh, but secondary master, this is also a shameless drop for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For total uh, sense, yeah, very very simple reason. I don't have to play in keyword. I can play the superstar version of wrestlers with Sheamus, and Sheamus by himself will score me like a point or two every turn. Yeah, and he's just, no, I totally agree. And he's yeah. just good at it. I mean, and if you want, I think if you wanted to stay in keyword, I think his title is still good at killing. It's just different. Yeah, yeah. There's nowhere to hide. Like literally, you pick all of the support models if they have any. Or the 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 weakest or easiest to kill models if they have any, and then you just shoot them twice if necessary. They yeah. will fucking die. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so what don't you like into uh, Curse then? Karai. Really? Yeah, because Karai, like every now and then, you you want to summon, and a lot of the keyword that Karai has is synergistic, but a lot of her models are very suicidal or sacrificial. Like they like to play the the peace trading very like heavily. Like even if they go down on attrition, they come up. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. Here's looking at you, Akirio, Right. Like Akirio is going to murder what you love, but then it's going to die. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Or get shut down. Like one or the other. Yeah. 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 Because I agree, Karai can kill, but usually the stuff's going to die because it it actually wants to die because vengeance is you do damage and I do damage back to you. Yeah. So it's like built into the keyword. Well, I mean, most of her keyword is designed to be expendable. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of just like the crux of it. That's the balance of it. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I, I still don't like a sword into this mostly because I don't know how to keep anybody other than Castora alive. That seems yeah. my experience. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's been my experience. Castor survives the entire game, but like even my Cavern Nephilim die like turn two or three. The thing about Cavern Nephilim though is I think they're less beaters and more just like they're they're actually more like scheme runners. Correct. Honestly, like they they they, they are like anti scheme runner scheme runners. Yeah. Like they're really good scheme running and they, and they're really good at killing other people's scheme runners. But like yep. they're not exactly who you want to be like leading the charge up into the, the middle of the fight. Yeah. That's a big one. Like I said, Castor. Like my biggest success in a in a brawl has been Castor goes into the fight and then the Nephilim come in. But then as soon as the Nephilim start being in the fight, the opponent just switches from attacking Castor to the Nephilim and then they die. I mean, generally speaking, I've had a, I've had a lot of good experiences using Castor and Barbaros as the main fighting force, 
and then they're just sort of supported, you know, by uh, by the urn bearers and and the other henchmen and such. Oh yeah. While while the, while the cavern nephilim are more so there to like take flanks and just sort of like hold down that stuff, so I can try and funnel them towards the center into that bubble of oh, death that so I good. that I that I can you know absolutely shred them yeah. with. And um, I I just want to point out also the gun on the nephilim is literally my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, it's it's stupid. It's so stupid, but it's so fun. The one where you can like it's teleport so to people. Yes. <laughs> that the is the that is the coolest thing. thing. So I, I if I had to pick one that I'm just like, yeah, this this is kind of the keyword that I'm looking at besides obviously Von Stuck, is um Jack Daw just like I said, he wants to kill. He wants to bring two hanged, he wants to come at you and fight, and hard to deal with. A point to add with that though. Um, bring Manos with Daw 2 because like my best experience with Daw 2 was Manos going first moving forward shooting somebody pulsing out staggered then leaping back and then you like alpha in Daw 2 and then he just gets in there and just starts like like he turns on the whole uh, hazardous thing and then he just pulses and shoves people in and around that nonsense and you're like hitting them for like four damage or something hmm. per model and they fail it. Hold on, let me let me double check it. I like that. Real... Yeah, yeah, you move them in and then yeah, you get them to draw them in. That four inch four inch uh pulse. Where it's a target number thirteen movement duel. And then they if they fail they push up the four towards usually himself or the target that you just put the uh the hazardous terrain on. And then you hit him with the guilt of the many where enemy models move this way, suffer one damage for each model move this way, up to a maximum of three. So, at that point, when you have most of their crew staggered, now you're shoving them all into hazardous, and they're probably failing that duel because they all have staggered now. Yeah. So, that movement 13 is more like a movement 15 duel, so they're probably all failing it. Now they're all eating four damage, basically. Like, I melted an entire... Uh, and I, an entire crew, basically, like at the end of turn one, beginning of turn two, just because of that. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of hold off Jackdaw and Manos till like later in the turn and then just boom, gotcha. <laughs> I mean, you could, but I, I legitimately did it like at the beginning of the of that turn. Yeah, I mean, because even if they pass it, they're probably having to throw a couple cards at it. And at that point, it's kind of like, well, cool, now you don't have a hand for the rest of your turn. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the crew was staggered first activation. Like, the entire crew was staggered first activation. And then Dahl went in, and now they're all sitting there, like, I don't have a hand anymore because I was trying to cheat these things. Most of my crew is dead. And then the rest of the crew came in on top of Do them. Do you still bring two hanged with Jackdaw in sold? Um, I believe I did that game, yes. Okay, because I, I saw that some people... Because obviously Jackdaw won. I think you always want to uh, mm -hmm. hanged, but... I did see that some people, when they play Jackdaw 2, they cut down to maybe one, or they still bring two. It just depends on the player. And I, I mean, I, I can see you dropping one to bring Manos in specifically. Um, but like in that game, it was like wedge, and like, like we were like right there. I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> Ready to I'm fight. not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hit them right in their deployment zone immediately. They're gonna be right there. They're not gonna leave it because I'm just gonna, I'm gonna swamp them. That is a good point because in wedge, people usually at least. I would say mid players are usually right there on the point of the deployment and mm -hmm. they're all grouped up because they're ready to go and they want to get as far up as they can. 
Yeah, and it was literally like a, I, I, I moved Manos up with one walk, shot the totem, pulsed out, staggered, and then leapt back. And then it was it was all downhill from there. And then Zach lost a friend. <laughs> That's uh, sad. He was very unhappy after that game. Oh, yeah. But he learned, he learned how, how Jackdaw works. And so he never did that again. Listen, and now Jackdaw is a negative play experience the first time you play against him, but it's okay. I promise you just kind of find what works in your faction to get around it. And it still might be a grindy game, but it's not as terrible once you know what Jackdaw does. Yeah, just run away from him. Just, just don't, don't engage with him. Yeah, basically, when I play against Jackdaw, I try to make it as, mo- as much inefficient as I can for the Jackdaw mm-hmm. player. And now that I'm playing Guild, I see Rezzers and I just drop Lady J, and Lady J usually has ways to deal with that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, okay, so getting into the next one, this one I'm actually probably the most curious about because. As a non-Rezzer player, I have opinions, but I don't know if they're right because sure. I've never... I, I don't think I've ever played against a Rezzer player. No, I have, but Dixon played it terribly. Uh, but in, <laughs> it was Carve a Path. Oh, you, you literally didn't move your marker past the half line. Yeah, so. yeah that's a different story. Like, I played against, <laughs> one of, in my opinion, the best players in Carve a Path with a faction that I'm like trying to learn. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to win this. <laughs> Dixon's like, I'm just going to try to figure out what this does. I don't care about the card marker. That's exactly what happened. Sure. Uh, but I'm curious, Zach, what you think is good into uh, Carve Path. So I still think that Jan uh, Lowe's good into this. That would have been my um, guess. Like, it, it just makes sense. Like, he he's, despite the changes, like, he's still king at, like, move-interact related things. Um... If I had to, like, choose a secondary, I think this is actually a place where Molly kind of comes in, uh, at least with Molly 2, because you can get some crazy movement and interacts off of her abilities, um, and it's quite entertaining. Um, but, like, despite people, like, just being down on, on Yanlo in general after what happened with him... Yeah, I, I think he's still capable. Yeah, and are, would you still, even though Spirit Walker got nerfed, would you bring that version of Yonlo or the first version? Spirit Walker is still better for the strategy. So. Yeah, like his whole kit was like designed around you know movement and interacting and such. So like, it only makes sense to still use him there. Um, and I mean, like Molly has similar things. Like any any instance where you have an activation or an action rather. Where you can move somebody and then have them interact, it's 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 going to be perfect for this. It's the reason why like uh, Stuck Two is good into it because he can do that exact thing. He can move somebody, have them interact for a single AP, for something of this nature. It's perfect. Yeah, I think Stuck is obviously the one that pops in my mind. But not picking him, I was like, I think Yan Lo is still really good into it, and he has a lot of just fast models. He has obeys and just yeah. really solid. And generally speaking, his his entire crew is good. Like yeah. he, he doesn't really have bad models. They're all quick as shit. Um, I mean, this is where Mono scopes from. Yeah, right. For Christ, for Christ's sake, like he he's the man. He is the the leaper dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the best title I think he ever got. The leaper dude. Yeah, better than just, a leper. Just, 
I mean, he's right up there with the Leaper bro that is uh, Archie. So, like, yeah, like, like it, it just makes sense. I, I want to play Rezzers just so I can play Archie against Dixon. Because <laughs> I know Dixon hates that model because he's the condition lord. I hate playing against them, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're gonna get, you're gonna get surprised in this uh, in my decision. <laughs> hey, it's okay, it's okay, Dixon. I play Archie instead, Arr- so it's totally different. Archie. Arr- uh, what's the what's the non uh, non carpet path master that you think? The one that I think sucks most at carve the path. I mean, probably be Jackdaw. I mean, movement and interacting yeah. are like the are the two things he doesn't. Well, considering like most doing. most of Jackdaw's like movement tricks are teleporting two models, not yes. him actually doing it himself. Yeah, like Daw Daw is like like I mentioned previously, like. If you can move faster or move outside his range and avoid him, he's terrible. Which then, in that case, just implies that moving and then <laughs> like just like it's not it's never been his. I mean, I mean, hell, the uh, the hanged are move four. Yeah, like their movement is entirely based on like pointing at someone and saying I'm scary and then teleporting behind them. So like they don't want to spend AP moving. That's just god awful. Who do you like into carve, Dixon? Even though it's not your strength. Uh, in carve, the only two that have su- that I've been successful with have been uh, what I affectionately call Mustakakish, which is Castori. Uh, that's a reference to Apocalypse, um, Metalocalypse. If anybody knows about that show, mm-hmm. I love Metalocalypse. Yeah, well, Mustakakish. Anyway, but uh, the other one though, and I, I'll, actually, let me just say specifically why. Castore. For some reason, Castore has worked for me mostly because I can ambush and, you know, interact with it twice. With the Cavern Nephilim. The Cavern Nephilim are very good as a catcher's mitt, so if anybody jumps into them or tries to stop them, then they'll just eat whatever's in front of them. Yeah, so that has been the reason for them. Uh, the secondary one, and this is just going to sound stupid, but it, it worked for me, is Riva. <laughs> okay. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, Riva has a horse. No, it's not even that one. It's the second one. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. I know it doesn't make any sense, but for some reason, she works because she's very hard to take out. All right. Well, all right. We'll make it make sense. What are What are the reasons? That's it. That's literally it. That's it. Yeah. She d- because she doesn't die. I did not say that I was a very good. I said that I was an average player, and so far. <laughs> And to be fair, Carve <laughs> is probably Dixon's worst strategy. <laughs> also so, correct. so what you're saying is push them over the center, put them in a bunch of pyres, and then just defend the spot. Yeah, basically I've been playing very defensively when I was playing wrestlers because I, I kind of mm. I still play them, but I don't play them as as much as I did when I first started with, with Pete. Uh, but yeah, the best way that I ever got to play Carve was when I was playing defensively. And sure, and that's it. That's fair. Like, like I can see like, you just like, like you could do this with um, uh, shit. What's her face? Uh, Flame Lady, Firebird Lady, Arcanist. Karis. Yeah, Karis. You can do the same thing where you just sort of like make your half of the board completely inhospitable to whatever's on the other half, right? And just say, come in on this and just burn to death, and then you'd worry about pushing your crap over when when people are you know whittled down or yeah. out of the way, yeah. just gunked up in your fire. And so I, I I get that. And to be frank, I try to aim for two points on the strategy and get the rest of my points in my schemes. 
That's that's totally fair. Trying to win a six whatever game. Correct. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Six is respectable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already shared mine. I think Jan Lowe's pretty solid at it. Yeah. Uh, Karai's crew's pretty quick too. So mm-hmm. I think you could have a game there with Karai. Uh, but the problem is you kind of just try to kill all her hired models. That way the summons can't interact with the card marker. Yep. Um, so you got to be a little careful if you do that. That has been the bane of my existence. That's the reason why I didn't pick Karai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, anytime you play against, like, a squishy summoner crew into Carve, you're just kind of like, cool, let me kill all the hired crap, and then you can't win. Yep. Though, though the only thing about it with, like, Reva is, like, if somebody, like, starts pushing those markers around, aren't they just, like, nuking all of your pyres? Yeah, so. I, I don't know if, like, you almost have to kind of... And this is one thing I have noticed with marker crews is that mm. when you do carve, you almost can tempt them to move the marker in a suboptimal spot. So I've done it before where I've put markers down. I'm like, if they put it over here, I'm going to kidnap their carved path marker. Yeah. That's it's, like, it's like some 3D level chess stuff, but it works sometimes. No, no. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's like, uh, to, in response to him mentioning the, the higher markers, it's like, basically, it, this is not the only crew that's happened to me. The four... Forerunner or whatever, the one with Mayfang, whatever you, the foreman. Foreman, yeah. Foreman. So literally, they both had the same problem that really didn't exist, which was, oh, I'm gonna destroy your pyre marker, so I'm gonna destroy your scrap markers. And I'm like, okay, I didn't care about that. I'm not trying to win yeah. a fight of attrition and start making a wombo combo. I'm trying not to die, and get <laughs> my point across the middle and get my points in the schemes. That's it. Yeah. So I think that's a good point as well. Um, so, I mean, I think those are still really good picks into Carve Path, though. Um, but let's kind of get into the ones that I think Carve Path, I wouldn't say is the weakest one for Rezzers, but I think it's probably the one you might have, you know, fewer options on. But let's look at uh, Covert Operations. You got to stand next to a strategy marker unengaged on the midline. So, Zach, what do you like into uh, Covert Ops? So I think Covert and Guard the Stash kind of fall into a similar realm of what's good, Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, we can almost and, talk about them at the same point in a lot of crews. Yeah, and, like, and like just, just to like, as a mild tangent just on the GG, I think, I think these two both being represented in the same GG is probably one of my biggest issues with it. Yeah, I think they're I think they're far too similar. Yep. Um, one of them is so, great, and the other one is guard the stash. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like just just with that, um, anything that can like hold a space, um, and survive as well as like out of activation movements, I think are kind of like your your key standing points here. Sure. Um, with that said, like. Even though like I, I've been hating on Molly, Molly does have access to a lot of that. Um, Jan Lo has access to a lot of that. Um, Castor has a lot of access to that. Like so, I, I, I honestly do. think Seamus as well. Like I, I, I legitimately think that these two strategies are probably <laughs> these two are probably the ones where um, like I think Rezzers kind of run the gamut on it because a lot of them. Are all good at that. They're all good at well, taking hits. Not and only that, things. but the stupid strategy markers. I think are both like unimpassable blocking, which Seamus loves. 
Yes. Yep. Just teleporting in between them. Yep. It's like, absolute, absolute. <laughs> my goodness. There. Stay away from the midline. <laughs> yeah. This is actually where I'm gonna ban myself from seeing Seamus again because this these two strats that are left is Seamus time. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. you could easily Seamus, and Seamus likes to be in close quarters because the first version, if you move stuff into Seamus or his crew, they can take actions and like shank you. And the second version can do that as well. It's just different. So, and then his, can we talk about how frustrating urban legend is with alone in the dark? Can we, can we, can we talk about that for a second? Cause I That's think so if good. you haven't played against Sebastian Baker, that, that, uh, uh, I can't even talk about it. It's, I have wanted to punch Chris Leopard in the face so hard for that alone in the dark trigger. Well, like just just as a specific note on this, though, this is even more impacted, in particular, in the non-diagonal deployments. Because when you get those two middle ones yeah. as close to each other as they are, suddenly now he's just like in the center bit, and he's just shredding anything that wants to come into there. It's like a big old blender in the center. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's you get distracted and you suffer one damage until the end phase. And then on top of that, with the trigger, which is the one that's really infuriating, is enemy models within range ignore and are ignored by all enemy auras. And when targeting or targeted by other enemy models with an action, the action's at a negative. So even if I want to say, I've got your back, that's at a negative flip. So I have to sit here and like stone for it or concentrate for it just to get a straight flip for some dumb action that probably doesn't even matter. I mean, it could be worse. It could be hostile work environment, right? I'm sorry. I just thought it was funny. Cause like, it's, I think, I think it's worse than hostile because you're, you can't even be affected by auras. Correct. Yeah. yeah no, I, I agree with that. I was just, this seems like the Von Schill get effed, you know, trigger. Yeah. <laughs> Dixon's out here just trying to like salt the Von Stuck wound hey. despite the fact that we're talking about something that is arguably much worse. It's, <laughs> it's not that bad. I played Sebastian Baker. He's fine. Well, he, I think he's fine, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he becomes amazing when you're stuck in an area and you have to engage this area. And yep. when you're playing Guard the Stash or you're playing Covert, that is, I think, where Seamus, both versions, but even Sebastian Baker is really good yes mm -hmm. i agree um i also just like in general because like I, I could honestly like probably say most of the crews in resers are good at these two mm -hmm. um just like just to go back on castor though like because he likes these bubble fights and also the fact that i mean like castor 2 can kidnap people so like if you ever have somebody that's in a place where it's like oh like they just they're going to score a thing. Well, he, he's super quick. He's like, I'm just going to, like, charge into this person, and I'm just going to, like, pull them six inches away, throw them on the other side of myself, and they just gave up ever any chance of being relevant in the rest of the game. Um, I think that's it's super good, and I think we're going to be seeing a bit more of that now that, like, the models are actually coming out. Um, I just got my boxes, so I'm really looking forward to getting yeah, them out there. And I think even the first version, the fact that you mm -hmm. can dominate is such a dirty action where it's just like, oh, yeah. cool, I'm going to stagger you and stun you, and both, by the way, I'm also going to obey you. Yep, walk away. So F your just, laugh just off, don't. F your lead line coat, get over here. Yep, yep, just walk away. And which, then, you know, come come get close to me and let me bleed Which I know you. Dixon loves lead line coat, so. Yeah, I love to hate it. 
<laughs> uh, Dixon. So actually, sorry, before we get to that, what's your not as good pick? Because like you said, I think every master's probably okay. <sighs> yeah. yeah. I mean, my, I can tell you my least good one on this is probably going to be McMorning. Yeah. Yeah. That's just for me, mostly because the well, way. Why do you guys think McMorning? Uh, McMorning doesn't like to stand and fight. He likes to like. I know it's gonna sound stupid, but scalpel a model out, and no pun intended. Yeah, but yeah, no, literally uh, that. And recently, I played against somebody. Oh my god, I'm trying to remember. The, I think it was Nathan, but I'm not sure. Somebody played me McMorning uh, one, no two, and what they did is just supercharge of uh, flesh constructs. They didn't even have to make it. Like he had two of them on the list, and he like supercharged both of them, and just sent them out. And it was gross. It was just mm-hmm. horrifying. Yeah. Why do you say uh, McMorning, Zach? Well, I, I I'm not saying that's my pick, but I was agreeing with him that it's probably not optimal. Correct. Yeah. Um, my my pick would honestly probably be more along the lines of Kirai. That's what I was thinking. Um, and that's just because, like, in, in one of these, like, you have... Well, both of them rely on you having, like, scorable models. And Kirai's biggest issue is that her scorable models are designed to be expendable. Yeah. So once they start dying, like, I mean, you'd have to you'd have to be summoning stuff and then sending that stuff forward. Or you'd have to be playing against the strength of the, of the crew in order to try and keep your models alive that are capable of scoring in order to even score. I, yeah. I do think that Karai 2 is more playable into these because you could hire stuff to stand and mm-hmm. you can summon and then summon more if they start failing these duels. And I guess that's okay. It was a lot better before she got nerfed, but... Yeah. It's it's better than the first version if you want to try to force it. I think it's one of those things that we're kind of like you know this is less good than the other ones. Yep. But you could still you could still play it if you wanted to. Though though one difficulty there though, especially with Kirai two though, is just like line of sight. Like you need line of sight to get some of those summons off, and with the markers and models, like that starts getting really difficult. Photon, what up? Got photon in the chat. Good right, photon. Say some more words so that. Who let the dogs out? Meme gets out of my vision. Please and thank you. <laughs> I, I did a couple of like texts, but like yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I guess I gotta add one more thing uh, that I noticed, especially for these two missions. Uh, this we're doing cover first, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the important. We have a couple of models that are just like insanely good in this thing that I get usually from outside of the uh, the keyword or versatile like. Uh, Manos is one of them that I reach for him all the time because he's freaking amazing. He's two-inch reach, extended reach, leap, and he just goes into an area and denies cover-ups all the time because of that two-inch reach, right? And then the other one is in, and I know that he's getting a little bit out of favor, but the, um, whatchamacallit, the horse guy. Death Rider. Dead Rider? Dead Rider. Yes, because the Dead Rider, two-inch reach. Uh, bonus action to move five inches, can reposition your own models. Like, he's very, very good. He's falling out of favor a little bit because of the easier access to stun that has been found lately. Mm-hmm. And how wild is that? Like, just considering how, how absolutely mental that model is and has been, mm-hmm. to the, the fact that we're like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, it's okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think no, you can right. always slam the Dead Rider down and you'll be okay. It's kind of like the Pale Rider in Guild. Yes. I just bring that and it'll just be okay. 
I still think that right. all the writers could actually use two health each. Yeah. Get them all up to 11? Correct, because I think that the increase in stun as a, as a condition that almost everybody has access to now. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the main reason why the writers are losing faith is just, you know, it's, they're too easy to remove. Also, I would yeah. swap out Heart of Wound for Armor 1 on the Mechanical Rider just for, you know, uh, taste or whatever you want to call it. Sure. I mean, like, that's fair. Like, like I've, I've noticed that that stunned has become more and more prevalent, especially, like, ranged stunned. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I've never seen my dead rider die quicker than, like, the first time I played against Anya. Um, <laughs> um, I remember the first time I played against Anya. I thought she was the most busted thing in Malifaux. Yeah. And, then, and then I just sat there and, like, talked to people, and they calmed me down, and I realized that, oh, okay, uh... I, I can deal with this. There's ways to, you know, not just be stupid. Yeah. You got you got uh, stuck in the Blitzkrieg uh, yeah. shock part because, like, I know I know that happened when we were talking about her in the beginning. Chris would like get to you on your own deployment zone, and you'd be like, "Oh God, how do I get out of here?" <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, like that's that was probably one of those last games I actually played with my old Molly list. That's kind of like around the time when I realized, like, like yeah, the uh, the tides turn in here and. And this new stuff is kind of like outpacing what I got going on here, and I need to start moving on. Yep. So, Dixon, which ones do you like into the strategy of Covert? You said you told us some models you like, but is there a keyword that you like more than others? Okay, so as far as keywords, again, I'm going to buy myself. But Seamus, screw it, Seamus. I'm going to say Seamus for, for the next two because he's just so damn good. Uh, depending on who I'm playing against, if they drop a master that's like, melee only then you know i can drop seamus one if they drop a master that's like big on the range then i drop seamus two i have an area that they have to be in and you know i'm just gonna harass them and this is why actually one of the few missions that i absolutely love uh madame sybil because she has two inch reach and she's yep. actually hardy <laughs> i know yeah, they, gave, they gave her a nice they gave her a nice little buff she's a pretty decent model now i mean she was she, they made her cheaper uh and that's a pretty much well they made it cheaper and made her so she's more synergistic with a keyword that's not bad uh that being said though uh i had to mention the models because those models are key for seamus in my opinion uh even though he's very synergistic with his keyword uh those two models can still provide for him so okay that's my take the second one is um you know again this is going to be weird but castore <laughs> because castore is just like hey we're in a position that we have to attack. Okay, I'm going to fly in, like, you know, the, the ride of the Valkyries. I'm just like, da 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 So, like, if, if I, just just to, like, to that point, like, I feel like Castor is, like, where I'd go specifically in a diagonal deployment. Okay. Right? Or in, in particular, like, corner. Um, I, I almost think I'd go uh, Yanlo 1. Nice. Into, some, into something that's a little bit closer. Okay. Um, especially since, like, if you get him into late game, he'll start melting things, and his ability to, like, teleport on somebody and then shove them five, <laughs> ten plus odd inches away. Oh, and you, for is, you forget is, about that, too, because I'm like, oh, yeah, he does do that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's devastating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, like, I feel like, you know, like, Stuck aside, like, I think Castor is, like, where. I want to focus on mm. some in Resers because I just find him to be super duper fun. Yep. Um, 
I'm not going to sit here and claim he's the best thing ever. I mean, there's a lot of people that are sit here and argue with me and tell me he's trash. I don't really care. Huh. Um, but I think he's super fun, and I think he's got a lot of neat tools, and I reckon he'll probably get more tools in the future. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I think, and now kind of transitioning to guard, I think the biggest difference when you think about crews you want to take between guard the stash and covert ops is one, I think out of activation movement is good in both, but I think in covert you want more two inch reach, at least here and there. Yes. That way you can contest guard the stash. I think it depends more on deployment because it it can really mess up with how many guard markers there are. And then if you have models that can scoot across the board quick, a lot of times you can go claim one of those back stash markers. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Which would be like what Manos could do, right? Manos could just jump over and go hide in a guard marker in the backfield. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's kind of designed for, you know? And yeah, like it goes back into like my talks on, on Castor with like deployment zone. Like he's got the speed and everything to get up there or move back. Um, I think like if, if Molly's models were just more durable, I think they'd be fantastic for this. Yeah. But I think, I think that's like, like her biggest issue. And like that, that's even, that's an issue with Castor, but Castor's crew overall is quicker and hits harder. Um, relatively speaking that they can kind of like get beyond the whole, like I die if you, if you sneeze on me sort of thing that, that I think both crews struggle with. Um, but like, it's kind of hard to deny that, that combo of a cruel again and Archie just like they, they can handle almost anything, especially when you, you talk about like Manos getting into a backfield and getting that back marker. Oh, Ruining yeah. people's lives. Yeah, what about, what about you, Dixon? What do you like into yeah. uh, guard? So guard is where I like Yanlo mm-hmm. too. That's one. And the other one, I mean, like I'm, I was gonna meme and say Seamus, but no, I'm not. Uh, the other one is kind of weird because personally, I like Rava one uh, and Rava two, depending on who I'm playing against. I know this, yeah, mostly because Rava can actually affect pretty much all of them, all of the the markers, especially if we're playing. Uh, non-diagonally because but like to, like to to his point though like reva is great into these just just for the like the actual area control that our markers provides i can see like <laughs> pretty much this one it's like bring a strong front line for the middle of the board and then bring one or two models that can hop out of the engagement and go claim the back ones correct like manos again a model that it's great even got a keyword especially for this mission he's henchman all that stuff that we talked about earlier right uh that being said uh, you you need to like either a have a way to certifiably move models out of the way, obey gets around that, which is the reason why I said you know Yan Lo in the and then Rava has a very unique way of just like over just overpowering you if you have to stay in a place yeah. for more than like a turn. Well, and it's worse in guard like covert. You can like pick a model to be here or there, right? Whereas guard. Reva's like, right. I know you're going to be in this area eventually. I'm going to flood it with fire markers. Yes. Yeah. And because, and this is actually my one gripe with guard. The reason why I said, you know, covert is actually good and, the, and guard the stash is meh. I don't like the fact that the, the stashes on your side of the table cost the exact amount of points as the ones in front of you. Why? That makes no sense. I have to go into enemy territory. 
That's because they want you engaging with the opponent in order to play the game. Yeah, but you can engage with the opponent if you were to say, uh, by the way, the guard stash markers that are near the opponent's deployment zone count as two. Oh, so you're saying saying you want them to be worth more. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I would would get that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it absolutely makes me... Like, not want to do that. Like, I'll do it because my opponents are usually not guarding them. And that's yeah. It. And that, that's usually when, when they get got is usually either later in the game or if your opponent is just unwise and just f- shoots everything forward. At that point, it's pretty easy to get something back there, and it's difficult then when the fight gets going to actually pull something out to try and deal with that. And if it's something like a Manos, what are they going to send? So, right? I am. So, it's funny, though, because. In the previous two episodes, we've heard Dixon talk about, like, buried effects because Dixon likes bringing models that can bury for these missions. So I'm guessing Rezzers don't have any bury models because Dixon hasn't brought any up. <laughs> That's absolutely not true. There's a couple. They're just not very good. <laughs> like what? Uh, if I remember correctly, there's a model in Von Stuck that has the bury and you have to get a willpower 14. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. So, so Anna has that on a trigger on her melee i want to say it's something Um, stupid yeah hold on yeah so she she has a glimpse the void on her melee however it never gets used (laughs) correct she well first she stat five second she's anna and doesn't like to be in melee sure third you have to hit it with a tone and then they have to fail Yeah, like yeah, honestly, like at that point, at that point, I'd rather just if I'm in melee with Anna, I'd rather be hitting you with focused, just taking my built-in siphon life and yep. hitting you for moderate five. Like that's just the smart thing to yeah. do. Why would I bury you if I could just dead you? That's right. This man speaks the truth. I like putting people in coffins. Totally fair. <laughs> I did oh, that. I did that at the local game store. I was playing against Titania, and I'm like. Titania, get in a coffin. Pow. <laughs> yep. Oh, I, I am very happy that that person went through it and not me. Because I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have put myself in that position. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was waiting. It's kind of funny because after you play against people that, you know, are it's like their baby. I was kind of waiting for, like, a Titania alpha strike, and it just never came. Thank you. <laughs> you recognize that. Well, I-, <laughs> I played it smart, though. I put my two lead line coats in the front so they couldn't yep. be kidnapped. And I was like, cool. I mean, I'm like armor one and two. If you want to hit these two models, I'll tank it and then I'll kill your ta- your master. But Oh, that's funny. I love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, resers are definitely interesting. And I'm guessing the same masters that aren't good into guard the stash are the same ones that aren't great into coverts of like what Karai and McMorning again. It's pretty like I was basically making the argument for both of the strategies when I was making those comments. I, I do want to point out this one is actually better for McMorning. The main reason why he's not very good in covert is because most of the things that he has are range one or most of the things that I would like to fight are range one. Sure. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's why, but, uh, in guard the stash, you don't care about that. You just care about models. Yeah, so he has a, yeah, he has a better leg up. So I wouldn't say he's the worst. I would say Karai, still because she wants to bring summon models and her son and her summons don't count. Be alive. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So so you know as your opponent, you're like, okay, kill the models that matter. That's it. Yep. 
Yeah, you you just end the game by doing that. You take out enough of them, and it just cripples their entire ability to just play the game. Yeah, they can start killing your stuff after that, and it's still like, oh, I still have more models than you. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so looking at gaining grounds three because wrestlers are kind of one of those interesting factions when you go to like tournaments and stuff because I feel like either the when you when you draw a reser player in a tournament. I feel like they're either really good, like, man, this Rezzer player is about to punch me in the face, or they're kind of like, they're okay, I mean, but they're missing a lot of the growth stuff. So I I think that's something you got to keep in mind when you're looking at how well they're doing in GG3. But I think generally speaking, when you see a Rezzer player get dropped on the other side of the table, oftentimes it can be pretty terrifying because there's a lot of gross tricks. And it's not just because we have terrifying. It's true. But it's part of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Rezzer, are they, I think they are the been, faction that has the most terrifying. I mean, it has to be them, right? It's either them or uh, or Neverborn. Yeah. But I don't have those numbers offhand, but it's probably Me. Rezzers. Funny that you mentioned that because I always, at the end of these, or lately at the end of these, what I've been doing is I, I have the long check thingy and we yeah. just talk about it. Ah, uh, stats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stats, 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 stats. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about Shanks. <laughs> yeah, for that, some reason, it's not coming up. That's why I'm trying to encourage my local TO, because uh, he was like, oh, yeah, we're going to use West Coast pairings. I'm like, well, Long Shanks does this, this, and this. But honestly, I was like, but you're running it, so whatever you want to use that I don't have to run the event is perfect. Yep. It's like yep, it's yep, perfectly yep. fine for you to be wrong, but... <laughs> um, oh, but you know, you do you, and then, you know, once you have complaints hey, about listen, it, I'm just I, happy, I told you so. I'm just happy to be one of the guys. Like, there, right. I've been running stuff for so long, I'm just happy to not be the guy running stuff anymore. <laughs> totally fair. I mean, you get to enjoy playing the game. Honestly, if I was good at TOing, I would like to do that, too. I did it once and never again. Oh, yeah, Rester's looking pretty decent. They're all above 50%. <laughs> Oh yeah, they're they're like third best faction right now, and all their masters are solid. The most played though, Seamus won, for reasons. Really? Oh yeah, he's he's amazing. Sixty three percent, one hundred and sixty three games played. People just he like is. serial killers, I guess. Dude, he is just so. I mean, I knew that I wasn't crazy when I saw. I was like, no, this guy has been giving me dubs. No, I, and I will. I'm not very. I cool will say though. I think he is the keyword that I've faced most against Rezzer players, just because I think you're right. I think there's something about him that just like a big gun just is fun. So, so can we just like point out, cause I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it now um, across the spectrum for win percentages on here. It ranges from 55% down to 45%. Like that's a really good metric. Mm. Oh, I, I do have data filters just so you're aware. I don't know if you're doing the same. Oh, I don't. I just brought it up, so I don't have yeah, any filters right I'm now. I'm not looking at the filter oh, either. No, I. Uh, I think it was uh, Brody actually that brought it up. Ever since he said it, I put in January of this year, 2023, to now. That's it. So when you read above on the top, basically of the page, since the last move. Yeah, you can see adjust data filters, and I put that up, and then I put it up, and you get. You still get, you know, our, our, like Resurrectionists are still above the pile. It's pretty impressive that different. Molly Squidpidge is still sitting at 50%. Yeah, perfectly yeah. balanced. Yeah. Uh, though, so I just adjusted it to go from January 1st to now. 
Resurrection's worst master, quote unquote, is Molly too, and she's still fifty yeah. percent. Fantastic. Again, uh, in this one though, because I I told you the version when it wasn't adjusted on the data filters. Seamus one went up percentage instead of sixty three percent win rate. He's sixty seven percent win rate. <laughs> Still okay, the highest so, number of games. <laughs> so I changed it, and it's it's showing me fifty five percent on the top end and and forty four percent on the low end, which is still yes. that's still rock solid. I mean, like a plus or minus five percent, or yeah, plus or minus five percent off of a fifty percent is is incredibly well balanced. All mm-hmm. things, all try things to, speaking. Try to click on that link. See if you get the same one that I'm looking at. Yeah, it should be Yanlo should be seventy five percent win rate. Yeah, and just, no, just, after, just brought after up the the nerf, when you're looking at long shanks too, just keep in mind that it's only showing you the top ten masters. It's not showing you any of the. Um, the bottom That's correct. We don't get to see everybody, yeah. but we do know that all the games have been collected. Yeah, yeah. So they're yeah. all collected and played and marked, but in the rankings, because that's what we're looking at, it just shows you the top ten. So like you can see that even like the tenth best master is Molly Squidpidge. And you go down to like Bayou, and their tenth master is like Ophelia Lacroix too, and yeah. she's at forty-two percent compared to fifty percent. Yeah, so, so I I just went in because I I actually subscribed to Longshanks, um, so going down through the Rezer masters, the range on the number of games is actually kind of interesting. Wide, yeah, because yeah. like. Castor, oh, Castor 1's only got seven games in there right now. Oh, no. I think it's because uh, most people like the second version. Yeah. yeah. Though, um, he's got a 57% win rate with his seven games. <laughs> though, <laughs> though, the worst one that I'm seeing in here mm-hmm. is Yanlo 1. He has a 15% win rate. Yikes. Oof. How many games still? 17. Okay, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Though, though, like you said, Seamus one has 120 games, so he's he's by and far the most played on here. Yes, and he's at 67 percent win rate. Like that is, I am afraid for him to get nerfed. Yan Low <laughs> two is sitting here at uh, a 75 percent win rate, but he's got 20 games. See, so I, hardly I, hardly as close. I actually don't think there's anything that I can think of in Rezzers where well, it's strong. Like there's a lot of strong things in Rezzers. And right. some of it is really strong in like the wrong situations for you to go into. But honestly, there's nothing that I look at with the keywords where I'm like, that's busted and needs to get nerfed. I think Rezzers is actually in a really good spot right now. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's good to have a, a, what's a, not a bully, but like a, a boogeyman. There you go. It's good to have a boogeyman. Cause you like, you look at it, it's like, oh, he's playing Rezzers. We need to, you know, the meta starts to like look in towards how to beat them. Right. And funny enough, like looking at like just enemy factions, like the the win rate against other factions, it seems like Explorers is our worst matchup. Yeah, thirty nine percent win rate against Explorers. Dude, I was super shocked when I saw that. I was like, Explorers is the best faction in the game. What the hell? What happened? (laughs) Well, I think I think a lot of that that kind of like comes down to uh, their initial launch, and probably plays into a bit on. uh, um, like Cadmus early on and early on. Yeah, but you know that we're not seeing Cadmus right now. And this is right. after Nurse, after mm-hmm. like, and like the thing is that uh, we are collectively, I remember when Chris was still on the podcast, we thought that Explorers was like going to be the worst faction in the game. And 
No, we're looking at, I mean, McCabe won with 72% win rate out of, uh, I'm sorry, that's not what I was looking for. Maxime, too, with uh, 69% win rate in 40 games. Well, that is a good chunk of games, and she's at 69%. Yeah, the funny thing is that there are certain things with Explorers that just got bad in, in general, but it's also, like, I played against, like, you played Ivan. Ivan's still a really good keyword. Um, you could still play Anya. She's still a good keyword. You could, I think Jedsa is kind of hit or miss on depending on what the strats and schemes are. I think sure. Jedsa two is probably where the squeeze is now with that. Um, mm. But I mean, even good. then, like like Anya, Anya, I don't think was ever like bad. Like nothing really like happened with her. Um, All of them. <laughs> it's like how many of those Maxine games? And I think he actually plays Maxine one. I don't think yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andre specifically plays Maxine one. Last I checked, um, yep. he, as far as I'm aware, dislikes Maxine two. I would uh, not be surprised if twelve of the wins of Maxine one was just Andre by himself. <laughs> he he played her for a while, like just. So, I think yeah. I, actually, since he's not playing Neverborn right now, he might still be playing just solo Maxine when he wants to. Like I, yep. I've, I've played against his Maxine. It was it was a very, very good list. He was very good. Um, I, I prefer respect machinist. Yes, the machine. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, because like, I play against him. I was playing Pandora, and and that's when I realized what the stupid ability that says no auras. Yep. I was like, what the? You what? mean the same Wait, one that you have on the stupid boat in in Bayou? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I love that ability. But imagine that on a five point model that can be in two different places because you can just get two of them. Yeah, the, the effort I put in to deal with the machinist after I realized how much of a problem it was is probably part of the reason why I lost that game. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, he'll make you pay for attacking any oh, yeah. of his crew. He's oh, yeah. very good at catchers. Something too. I have a question on, Zach, because I'm kind of curious what your opinion is on this. Sure. What kind of player do you think is attracted to Rezzers? <sighs> well, um... I think it's a different kind of player because it is a different faction. Yes. So are, are you talking in terms of, like, aesthetics or, like, mechanics? Or... I'm talking about, like, play. Like, if I want to play Rezzers, what would what kind of person would want to play the Rezzers in general? Somebody who's just into gross shit. <laughs> yep. Probably. I, um, similar to what I was going to say, yeah. Because, like, generally speaking, like, it's, it's, no, it's no secret that, like, the more grotesque and just, like, disgusting and monster filled something is the more I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, that's the thing I want to play. <laughs> cause like, I, cause I oftentimes avoid things that are just like people whenever I possibly can. Yeah. You know? So of course, you know, when I, when I, that, I mean, that's the reason why like Von Stuck always appealed to me why he was like my first Rezzer master that I actually started buying was cause I'm like, these are zombies that he took metal shit and like grafted into it. I'm like, this is like metal as hell. I'm like I'm all about that. Um, I also think so like, that if if you like, because I don't know if it's just there's something about Rezzers where I feel like they have a ton of just like dirty little combos. Like mm-hmm. there's so many masters and then random models that it's like, oh yeah, I can put this upgrade and then it's gonna pulse out you know focus or I'm going to yep. create this hazardous aura and then I'm gonna move you around in it to do a crap ton of damage or you don't get this if you come into this bubble or it just, it seems like there's more of those kind of gross combos in Rezzers. I asked like four people throughout the years. The reason why people like undead stuff 
and I think my brother told me like the best one. He said there's something about the zombie soul, you know, magic kind of thing, uh, like Nightmare Before Christmas look, uh, stuff like that. That just attracts them. Like he's just attracted to to that macabre kind of sounds kind of demonic, bro. Not gonna lie. Yeah, like dude, like Adam's family. Like Adam's family is literally like one of the best. Uh, romantic stories. That's, that's why I <laughs> so, play Lady J because I'm putting all this demonic nonsense to rest. So uh, just, just, to, I mean, you're you're just a resurrectionist in denial. Um, <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> he, he really is. He really is. I mean, that, it's, it's it's even it's even in the lore. Um, but no, like to, to be completely honest with you, like the two most popular factions, from my understanding, are Rezzers and Neverborn. And yep. you could probably whittle that concept down to just going, look at how obsessed with Halloween the world is, mm. and there's your answer. Yeah. You know? Yep. I mean, like, sort of. Mine is more like, I like the myths and the trickery of, like, old literature. Because if you look at the stuff that I like in Neverborn, they're old, real-world literature stuff. I don't like the demonic stuff like Nephilim. Like, I find them cool and I love their mechanics. But, like, lore-wise and look-wise, you never see me, like, be happy about them. But you look, you look at Sarida, Pandora, and Titania, which, you know, like, Baba Yaga, uh, Pandora from Greek mythology, and freaking Titania from Midnight Summer Stream. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> right. I mean, like, that. funny enough, like, that, that was actually, like, just, like, the whole, like, the connection to history and or literature is the reason Correct. why I, I got so into like Maxine herself yeah. is because it's based off an actual family from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. So I'm like, no well, duh. well, duh. Yeah. 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 The Agassiz family had, had like a copper mine or something in Michigan. And at one point they were the largest copper mine in like the U S right. So like Maxine in this lore is like a, like, else world daughter of that family and that's why she's rich is because like you know family's got the mine and and all that nonsense so like that's the reason why i'm like well maxine seems cool even though it's mostly people but i'm like i can dig a, a crab tank in a, in a water elemental um i mean that's that, i mean hell that that whole concept is the reason why breach burnt is called what it is is the the thematic connections for us was just too perfect nice yeah, and I mean, I don't like the re the Rezzer aesthetic. Like, you know, I've never been a zombie person, so it is what it is. But I tell you what, when they revealed the new Rotten Harvest set of being young Frankenstein like themed, I was mm -hmm. like, I hate Rezzers, but that is really cool. Yeah, and like, and, and funny enough though, like, I had the opposite effect. Like, I was like that. I'm like, this is this is clearly designed for. Like a very specific like aesthetic that I think is cool. It's cute. It's going to it's going to it's gonna like hit a very specific spot for certain people. But like it's also like a stark contrast to like what I liked about Von Stuck, yeah. which was like just like the, the the specifically like disturbing and perverse nature of what it is his models are and do. You know? So, like, the tone behind them is, like, kind of something that I really latched onto. So, and I, this is actually something that I think is interesting, Zach, because I think what you're saying is, like, you know, I don't think it fits that normal, like, Rezzer vibe, but I think it's right. going to bring in some players to Rezzers that normally wouldn't be looking at those models. Yeah, I mean, because, like, they're, they're, they're based off of, like, classic, like, monster movies and, like, an older style of, of that sort of thing, you know? It's Frankenstein! 
Yeah, like, and it plays into that. Like, like the whole concept of, like, you know, people are obsessed with Halloween. And so their theming is 150% classic horror. Yeah. You know, as opposed to more modern graphic horror, which is what you could call a lot of, like, the more... Mo- most of the, the look of uh, Resurrectionist as a whole, as opposed to what that, what that group was. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's kind of... That's something that's cool that I'm glad they keep doing because I think you're right because I know when they revealed last year's with the Hoffman kind of whatever that those models were based off of. I know it wasn't my Dark Souls. Yeah, I'm not a Dark Souls fan, <laughs> but I know a ton of people who like got into it because they were like, oh my gosh, it's Dark Souls. So right. I, I definitely feel you because I'm the same way with Guild. I was like, I saw those and I was like, eh. Though, I mean, like, there, there is a very specific distinction, I feel, between the Nightmare models and the Rotten Harvest models. So, like, the Rotten Harvest models in this regard, they're Halloween models. They're yeah. meant to be, like, characters in costumes. Like, it's it's supposed to be a little bit more campy and tongue-in-cheek. Yep. Nightmare models, like, with the Hoffman stuff, is just supposed to be an entire reimagining. Like, yeah. them taking a theme and diving into it. Huh. Um, so... Like, that's why you see, you know, like, with, with the more recent ones that they just showed off for, for, for Yedza, which is, you know, the whole Witch King deal. Um, right. Which, like, personally, just, just like, a, like, a, like, a side tangent on that, like, I feel like Yedza has some of the best models in the entire game. So seeing her get a Nightmare crew just seems strange to me, because I feel like she didn't need it. Yeah, I, I saw you know? some people who are like, the Lamplighters are some of my favorite models in the game. And I feel like a lot of Jedza players just are like, you know, my original box is just cooler. Right, right. And I, I can see that, you know, like, is legitimately like something about those models. There's a certain I, level of just like whimsical, yeah. just magic to them that like just they're some of the most attractive models in the game. I, I do have to confess to you guys, though, and the podcast, I do have the Lady J Day of the Dead models and I am petrified to paint those. Oh God, I can I can only you imagine. understand then because we literally had this conversation the first time we talked about iconic models and people not painting them. Remember that? Well, I, I'm not worried <laughs> about iconic models, but when you look at the way those Day of the Dead models are, there's there's lines that are designed for like the paint of like you know the colorful paint, but you mm. still want the skeletal look on parts of it, but you want other parts to be black, and it's just it's. I'm really, I'm going to try dry brushing them soon. And I'm kind of curious how they're going to turn out because they're, hmm. I want them to look cool. So I'm, I got to take my time on these. I was going to ask, like, are you going to do the, the colorful style that they did? I, I'm going to, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because I, mean, like, I understand Dia de los Muertos is a thing. I don't know what it entails, but I've always seen the pictures and it's, okay, one sec. Sorry. Very good. <laughs> But yeah, like I feel like those models are very, very like themed specifically, and I think to paint them some other way would kind of like yeah, it would take away from like why you bought yeah. those models in particular, you know? Yeah, I am gonna get uh, because you know Lady J is on a forty, and her original for the Day of the Dead's on a thirty because it's Lady J one. So I'm gonna right. get a forty base, and I'm basically going to have it where I can magnetize the Day of the Dead Lady J on a forty mil base as well. That way Ooh, I can I like still that. use the alternate models. Oh, I was going to say the 30 millimeter falls, uh, fits into the 40. So I guess you can just, are you going to just magnetize the bottom of the 30? Is that all you're going to do? 
Yeah, I'm just going to make it work and just click right there. So, like, okay. that's actually something I did when I was uh, proxying uh, Maxine 2. And so what I had actually done, um, so I don't know if you guys know, but I use, like, these magnetic stickers almost yeah. for my bases that you can get from Litco. Yep. And so what I had done is, like, the bottom of, of my base was already magnetized. I just took another one of those and slapped it in the middle on top of a 40, and they just stuck. So if you wanted to do that with that... Uh, Lady J, you could do that, and then you could, like, get some little, like, candles or something off of Etsy or whatever, and kind of, like, have a ring around it, yeah. just to kind of, like, just to theme it in, so now, you know, you have her there, and then you have, like, this ring of candles and junk around her, just to kind of make it not look awkward. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I have some, like, fantasy skulls from GW, I'll probably put those around it. Hmm. Okay. But, um, yep, yeah, I mean... Rezzers are definitely cool. The hobbying part of it is cool. It's a cool faction. Uh, I feel like I should play it just to mess with Dixon, but I'm not going to because they're Rezzers. It's just not my thing. I mean, you I, play yeah. Rezzers and I play Bayou. <laughs> I, I, I am like, going to get that iconic Archie, though, because that model looks cool. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. That thing is so sick. But, yeah. like, like honestly, like, hobbying Castor is, is, like, the place where I'm kind of at right now because I just got those models. And, like, I'm... I'm I'm happy but unhappy with some of the the, the sculpts, um, mm. mainly because I feel like I wish there was like a little bit more going on. But I have ideas on how to like do it. Yeah. To like 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 specifically like you know like with fervent how he's like hunched over and everything like looking like he you just caught you just stepped in while he was like in the in the kitchen at two a.m. <laughs> right. Um, Stealing the cookies. So like, <laughs> yeah. So like like lore lore wise you know he's. The reason why he's all big and buff is because he he eats other nephilim. So I want to get myself, I want to get my hands on another noxious nephilim. So if anybody has a spare one and wants to, you know, like give it to me or sell it to me for a decent price, I love that. that. Yeah, yeah, I want to set it up where like the the noxious is like laying there at his feet, and I want to like mold up some like intestines or something to come out from its <laughs> chest to have it like on his hand, that's so it looks gnarly. like he's like he's like freshly eating this nephilim that's right there. I think I think that would be absolutely killer for him. All right, sounds really really cool. Yeah, and I I think before we get out of here, I do want to just kind of give you Zach a minute to kind of plug, just in case people don't know Breach Burnt um, podcast. I'm Zach. I've been uh, part of the Breach Burnt podcast here for shit like we've been going for six plus odd months now, almost a year. God, I don't even know. Um, but we're a Malfo podcast out of. Uh, Midwest, Michigan-based, mostly Michigan and Ohio. Um, we we kind of go towards a bit of a like we try we, we kind of hit the spectrum of like beginners to more advanced sort of talk. We we talk about a various number of subjects, much like these guys here. Um, we're all just big fans of each other, really. And uh, yeah, if you want to check us out, by all means, we're we're on all all podcast things. Yeah, and Dixon, you got anything you want to share? I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. <laughs> just like the dogs, huh? Yeah, and eventually, as I, I suspect that Weird is not only going to do an errata soon, but sometime this summer, I'd be surprised if we also didn't oh. get a new GG. Or not. I don't know. I mean, those... Go ahead. I was going to say, those teasers seems like they're trying to say, hey, get ready in the next, like, two weeks to a month. That's what I'm saying. So what I want to do is I want to interview Doug pretty much as soon as we have the pools for Houston. 
so we can kind of just chat about that what he was thinking and the details kind of like we did last year um so yeah but i'm, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen till later this summer but mm-hmm. definitely excited for that because like i said i know we're going uh we got jesse from board and conversation going might have zach and a couple of breach burn guys going uh jim from the other coast might be coming to it i'm pretty sure he's he's pretty much in and then of course you have all the texas people and i think there's some people coming from maybe washington so it, it, it'll be a good time i definitely think that if you can somehow make it to that houston gt it's going to be at least 30 players because that's what we had or no i think we had 20 something last year but i think this year it's going to be at least 30 i think we're getting more people turn into one of those premier events yeah yeah well i just i i actually like specifically houston and then also captain con because the tournaments can actually be quite bigger. Um, unfortunately, since Malifaux is not as big as other games, if you go to a bigger con, like you go to um, Gen Con or you go to Adepticon, I feel like the Malifaux events are just smaller. I don't think you get much more than like 1620 just because of space issues there. So Yeah, well, admittedly, like that's actually part of the reason why I'm actually not participating in the Gen Con tournament this year. Yep. Um, just like it, it being a three round tournament and then like it, it feels really restricted towards like the number of players you can have and and admittedly going to and spending all that money to go to a big just generalized convention like that spending a whole day doing that kind of just eats it up yeah like the hotel for uh, Houston GT I mean I think I only spent for I think it's four nights that I got it for probably only about 300 400 bucks well, yeah, when, when when you don't have such a massive convention that everybody knows about happening at the yeah. same time, suddenly hotels are reasonable. Yeah, you know? that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I, I just, I would love to do just casually Adepticon and Gen Con and um, Nova. Mm-hmm. Like, those tournaments are all fun, but I just feel like they're so ridiculous as far as just hotels. Whereas right. I could actually do the Vegas one, I think, because there's so many hotels in Vegas that it's just easy sure like I, I you don't even have to stay at a hotel that the gt's at for the vegas you know gt you can literally pick any hotel on the strip and usually find a pretty decent deal you that's a really good point go stay at circus circus with all the freaks <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, go check out that big new sphere thing they put in yeah i saw that thing's pretty gnarly they were building it when i was there last year like you could see them finishing it off and yeah they just Apparently started plugging it in, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. But uh, I want to thank everybody for checking us out. Uh, definitely enjoyed talking Rezzers. We're going to tr- – because like I was telling Dixon, I, there's a feeling I have just like last time they dropped GG3. It was kind of like just boom, here's GG3. I feel like sometime pretty soon, whether it's summer or fall, I feel like they're going to punch us in the face with GG4, and it's just going to be like, hey, surprise, kids. And uh, – I'm kind of like trying to get these faction GG3 ones out. That way, whenever four comes down the pipe, we can hopefully have all the factions done and get into the new goodies. Like a GG3 retrospective. Yeah. <laughs> GG3 in memoriam. <laughs> but uh, I think until next time, make sure that you guys are flipping cards, flipping tables, and we will see you all later. Bye.